Hey everybody, this is Michael and you're listening to Conversations with a Recovering Loan Officer, the show that is designed to help loan officers grow their mortgage business. We talk to top producers, marketing experts, and other inspiring people whose experience can help you reach your goals in less time. How many people live on the island? About 3 million. Commission calculation was the first problem that I tackled with this platform. You know that there's going to be something that is going to be a valuable thing for broker owners. Yeah, I knew that if I have this problem, obviously, to my knowledge, those monthly bills start in the four figures. Yeah, man, that's a bigger company stuff. Complicated, you can make a very simple problem, right? The more people you know you're in business, the more business you have an opportunity to earn. 30% fee basically gets you the right person, whether it's the first person or not. Yeah, so they gave us about five or six candidates and we interviewed all of them and narrowed it down to the one. When that check hits QuickBooks, boom, it already knows what transactions for. You just hit match. You don't have to manually break out that transaction. Rocket is drafting. They got first, second, third round draft picks and they're just pulling people off the bench. Rocket has historically not been very good at loans. They were a marketing company that happened to do mortgages. They're starting to get good at loans. Hey guys, Michael here with Conversations with a Recovering Loan Officer, and today I'm joined by Evan Wade. He's the CEO, founder, co-founder, president of Epic Lending, right, and Epic OS, which is a really cool platform we'll get into shortly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Mike? Thanks for joining me. Pre-show, we were talking about how you left the States for a better, warmer climate, and I'm so jealous. Yes. Yeah. Just about a year ago, relocated to uh, sunny San Juan, Puerto Rico. Now that is uh, U.S. territory. Okay. Yep. So you only need a driver's license to go there and travel there. It's complicated. So they they are under a different uh, tax system and and all of that. They have some autonomy on on how they uh, can do things. So you're in the U.S., but you're also not at the same time. It's it's interesting. I would like interest rates they follow our market over here in the states or yeah yeah for the most part it's uh all fannie mae backed and everything just like like the states as well and we kind of have a little bit of a banking cartel here where there yeah there's like a big big three bank similar to the states actually it's just the states are so much bigger and there's a lot more room for you know community banks and stuff like that but yeah the majority of the banking is just done with you know three banks here and then some small credit unions they call cooperativas and then there are there are some brokers here one of them being andre munar who's pretty well known in the community and he's trying to build the broker channel back up on the island which is which is pretty awesome how many people live on the island about three million okay so it's not small it's like a metro area of a yeah it's bigger than all it's there's a lot more people than most a good chunk of the states i forget where it would be ranked but definitely has more population than most midwest states that's for sure that's cool. That's awesome, man. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm uh, dreaming of that moment when I can, when I can move to someplace warm, being in Portland myself. And, you know. I heard the my my brother lives in Seattle area, and and other than being, you know, it can be a little uh, gloomy and all that. But it, a lot of people associate it as getting really cold, but it doesn't seem to get really get as cold as what people think because i grew up in the northeast and oh yeah that that i felt was colder than <laughs> what my brother it's has <laughs> yeah it's yeah. just wet it's just wet but you know what it is what it is so you've got a really interesting history starting in the mortgage space like when when did you get into mortgages how did that transition to where you are today 
So I closed my first mortgage and I want to say it was September 2009. Um, I was working for a large top 10 bank, TD Bank. That's how I was a cup, just a customer service rep for them. And they had the genius idea of allowing these customer service reps to originate mortgages, but they basically just wanted us to be kind of like application takers and then the processors and underwriter would try to figure it out. And it was an abject disaster. And I don't like selling things. I'm not comfortable. I'm not a natural salesman. So the only way I can sell something is if I know everything about the product and I feel like I know it better than anybody else. So I actually found all the mortgage guidelines on the company internet and downloaded them, printed them out and read them cover to cover because I, I, it's the only way I felt confident uh, doing that. And I also figured out I could crush my sales goals if I just did loans uh, instead of you know trying to shove credit cards down people's throats. <laughs> so it was a lot easier to just sell loans and I love doing it. So um, that's kind of how I originally got exposed to uh, mortgages and then uh, became a full-time loan officer working in the non-bank world in 2015, worked for a few retail lenders, including Movement Mortgage. Kind of learned a lot from them in terms of you know the importance of having an efficient mortgage process and and leveraging technology to you know make the mortgage process easier. Um, and then I started my uh, first mortgage brokerage called Philadelphia Mortgage Brokers uh, with my partner Paul Carson, and we launched in February of 2018. And then about six months in, I got with the brand new Arrive project uh, that was going to be launched for mortgage brokers. So I consulted for them for a couple months and then I had the idea it's like, hey, you know, if this, if they're able to pull this project off, you know, I want to be one of those brokerages to step in there with technology that, you know, law officers throughout the country could plug into. Um, so I started Epic Lending almost a year after I started my first mortgage brokerage and uh, we got licensing Florida and Colorado to start. And then uh, at one point we were in 19 states uh, throughout the country um, with 40 some odd employees. We've shrunk a little bit since then. I don't focus much on recruiting. I have you know, a really strong team that I that I really enjoy. And has been, most of them have been around for a while uh, since pretty much the beginning of the company. So I'm happy with that. And then um, a little over a year ago, I uh, launched Epic OS, which is a software platform to help mortgage broker owners um, more efficiently manage their business. Um, so any of the mortgage broker owners on this <laughs> listening to this, will this I'm sure it'll speak to you, the challenges of you know growing and, and maintaining a, uh, a brokerage. Uh, you know, I originally envisioned that, so- that software to really support my own company, but my passion is in technology and, you know, I believe in the broker channel still very strongly. So I want to be able to, you know, give brokerages the technology support that I still feel is a little bit lacking um, beyond loan origination because, um, you know, people like you, Mike, have done a great job of, of making, uh, you know, the point of sale and LOS aspect of, of the business so much better than it used to be, you know, even five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started your brokerages, I mean, what were the pain points that led you to wanting to build Epic OS? Yeah. So for me, it originally started with the commission calculation. You know, I really quickly got up to, you know, over 30 LOs and I'm like, there's got to be a better way than just doing all of this shit on Google Sheets. And then, you know, I'm always like coming up against my payroll deadline 
didn't have enough time to get the reports to the loan officers to look at for errors. So then we'd run commissions. There would be things wrong with it. Then I got to run an off-cycle payroll or see if we could run, you know, fix it on the next pay run, you know, that kind of thing. And there's just too much work doing payroll. So commission calculation was the first problem that I tackled with this platform. And we went from, you know, me having, you know, one admin person that almost their entire, you know, about half the job was payroll to now we basically never replaced that person after she left uh, to go work at an accounting firm. That was her first job out of college. So, yeah. So we basically replaced a 40 something thousand dollar a year job with the software. And everything runs smoothly, right? And you're- yeah, we have it. We have it integrated. We use Arrive as our LOS and we've got it integrated uh, with Arrive and all the data flows right into it uh, automatically. There's some manual things that we have to do, but we can basically do payroll in total a half hour, hour a month, roughly. Yeah. Well, that's so much better than, you know, I remember sending those PDFs or those sheets to people, give them the side of your commission, agree on this, yeah. what's wrong. This- now, now they can just log in themselves and see their report online. You don't have to every loan officer. Oh yeah. That's so cheddar. I mean, I love, I love to see technology like that being built from pain points that you had in your business. I mean, that's really where you know that there's going to be something that is going to be a valuable thing for broker owners. Yeah. I knew that if I have this problem, obviously, and there's no software solution out there that has been built other than, you know, I, I know there's shops out that the bigger companies have all built something custom, but for a small startup mortgage brokerage, there's really nothing out there that is affordable. The only other mortgage-specific commission uh, calculation platform that I know of is Compensafe. And the, to my knowledge, those those monthly bills start in the four figures. Yeah. Man, that's a uh, bigger company stuff, especially when mm-hmm. today it's all about managing your fixed costs. So h- how are you charging for the product then? I charge those right now. I'm kind of in a, you know, I still kind of consider the software in beta, you know, it doesn't have nearly as much features as I want it to have. Cause you know, obviously we're evolving way beyond just the commission calculation. So right now we're only charging a $500 setup fee and $199 a month for the company with no commitment. You know, obviously the price will go up from there as we, as we grow up more, but it's kind of a thank you to, you know, for these companies helping me account for all these different scenarios and you know they, they also are helping me build the platform by reinvesting those profits to grow and all of that so you know it's kind of vital having those early adopters do you have a good mechanism for like feedback when it comes to people? yeah so we yep we have uh we have live chat built right into the system uh you know both for support and feedback and you know, always asking them you know, what we can do to uh improve things and, and all that yeah, nice. So back to the mortgage side. Not that soft. Not that I couldn't talk about software all day long, but you know, no, well, you're similar in that respect. I'd rather. I think I'd rather talk about software than mortgage business. <laughs> I know, but I, I'm, I'm sensing people falling asleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sleep. Wow, I just want to. I want to know how to like close a loan or you know. So let's talk then about systems and processes. Let's talk about scale. Let's talk about some things that I think you know as a business owner. Loan officers are really just business owners of their own unique little business. If they're not, if they don't own a brokerage and you work for a brokerage, you're still responsible for eating what you kill or killing and then eating whatever, whatever, however that figure speech goes. But so today, you know, with rates the way they are, you know, and, and with the way the market is, 
you've got 20 or so loan officers that are out there kind of making it happen. What are you hearing on the streets from them about what's being, what's successful for them? Right now, it's really kind of just, it's the, a combination of the good old fashioned, like relationship building. I think loan officers do kind of, and I, I was definitely guilty of this when I was originating, falling into that shiny object syndrome. What's the latest and greatest? And, you know, me as a technology person, like I'm always looking at what's, what that, you know, latest and greatest is, but consumers don't necessarily, and like end agents don't necessarily respond to the bleeding edge technology that's out there. There's even a lot of people out there that are resistant to technology. You know, you still got loan officers out there today that I, that refuse to take an application online, which I think it's in this day and age is bananas, but you know, it's not all about that technology. That being said, like, I think that loan officers need to be marketers first and know how to generate leads, convert leads and all of that, if not for themselves, for their realtor partners. Doesn't even need to be realtors. Like, you know, you got Rebel IQ, you know, formerly known as, as Leap Pops out there. They 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 have the that those products out there that you can, you know, deploy funnels for solar companies, chiropractors, whatever. And and, you know, anybody can be a source of business. They might not be as as hot of a referral source as realtors, but you know, I think loan officers doing some unique things and you know, getting those kind of niches can be can make things really successful for you. But don't forget about all that old fashioned business development, especially with all these loan officers kind of, you know, through attrition just kind of dropping out of the business right now because, you know, they've been challenging. So but it's kind of I look at it as kind of a survival of the fittest kind of thing, you know. So if you're hanging in there, you you can swoop in and pick up new referral sources just because people are quitting the business. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing some loan officers say that they're picking up realtors. Realtor called them. My lender left the business, you know, and they needed somebody. And I just, I was somebody who they talked to in the past. They were on my email campaigns. They followed me on TikTok. And, and those things are being really, you know, they're actually paying dividends now because when your competition leaves, who left? Right. We actually, we have, I have a brand new loan officer uh, at my company and we hire, we're on the Department of Defense's skill bridge. So we will hire people that are uh, retiring from military. And we've done a few people that way. And, and we have one who just got licensed, you know, fairly recently and she doing all the right things, you know, networking with realtors, you know, uh, so she met up with one at a uh, coffee shop and was given a presentation to a realtor and there was uh two ladies sitting like right across from it was like at a fire pit or something like that outside and uh, it was actually in texas and the at, when they were done that with whatever their meeting whatever the lady came over and said so you're a loan officer and she's like yeah and she's like actually my daughter is in the middle of buying a house in colorado and she's like well, I'm licensed in Colorado too because she she was in the Springs uh, in Colorado Springs, uh, and that's where she did the skill bridge with my loan officer uh, Gay Beal. And sure enough, her, the first loan that she wound up closing was for this woman's daughter because she just listened to her talking at a coffee shop. And you know that all I think it was that day the daughter called after getting the contact information. So it sounds so silly and basic, but like. Just being out in public talking about what you do, like, you know, uh, I just referenced Gay. Uh, my, my, she's she's been a loan officer now for three years. She's going to close 
20 something million dollars of volume this year and in a terrible market. So it's, you know, barely her third year in the business and she did all the right things, but, um, she wears a t-shirt that like she has, or she has multiple t-shirts and says like, we'll give mortgage advice for tacos, something silly like that. And people will come up and talk to her and, and say, Hey, you know, this, this is awesome. And she got like, it is decked out in like American flag, vetted VA logo, Epic Lendings logo, all of that. And then a QR code on there too. So she's literally a walking billboard, but, uh, yeah, she gets she gets conversations out of it. So it sound a lot of these things sound silly, but you know, consumers and referral partners just need to know who you are and what you do and what you stand for. And it's pretty simple at the end of the day. It's the way I look at it. It is it's interesting how complicated you can make a very simple problem, right? The more people you know you're in business, the more business you have an opportunity to earn. The more you're seen in public, the more people know you're in business. So like there's actually this great marketing principle called repetition principle. Have you heard of that before? I think so. Yeah. Isn't there, there's a, is there a book on it? I'm sure there's a book. There's a book on all yeah. this thing, right? I'm, I, I, yeah. I couldn't point yeah. my finger. In. Fanat- is it, there's, I think it's similar to like the fanatic uh, prospecting or something like that. I think is yeah, no. probably a same, probably a same, similar concept. Well, totally. And so like what well, repetition principle, basically like there's nine psychological traits behind the principle. There's patterns, right? So patterns are like, for example, in music, you the patterns get under your skin and like when something replays, it, it brings back a memory from the past. That's something that like I'm sure we can all relate to. Like if you hit the first bar of a song you've heard in the past, you immediately know what it is. But only because you've heard it so many times. There's yeah. familiarity, which like creates comfort and lowers the barrier to entry. So for example, your loan officer, if she's wearing those shirts around in her town, in her hometown, and people see her the one time and then two times and then three times, they become more familiar with that person that, and that lowers their guard, you know? And there's what they call not scarcity. And that's like an effect that happens when the, essentially it's an effect that drives away scarcity. So have you ever tried a product that was like, it felt wrong at first, but then after using it for a little while, it, it became more natural. Yeah. That's yeah. And then there's, there's understanding. I don't want to go, I guess I don't have to go through all the details, but there's understanding, there's memory, there's convincing, there's nagging, there's cues. And the last one is trance. And so if you guys want to research it, repetition principle is actually a really interesting thing. And it's the reason why people still market on bus benches and billboards and the shopping carts in the, in the supermarket. And for a time, I thought, these were useless forms of marketing. No one's going to call that person. Yeah, you but, may never generate generate a lead from it, but you'll come up in conversation somewhere else and like, oh, they're on this 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 uh, bus stop too. Like, and then it all just you know, it's just yeah. Unless you're somebody like there's a mortgage broker by the name of Drew Yeager. If you look him up on Facebook, he does like he's he has one of the electronic billboards and he keeps up on a current on current events either locally so if something silly happens in his town or something nationally he'll put a funny spin on it and have like his picture and like dress something up and it's really memorable because he's got a great sense of humor and can really quick like get something done like a graphic design made and throw it up on this electronic billboard because i think you can just log into the system or whatever so i'm sure he spends a good amount of money on that billboard but it's memorable and he's known in his town for doing cool stuff like that. 
I mean, yeah, the trick is being the name that they remember when they think mortgages, you know? So how do you do that? How do you break down those barriers? How do you become recognizable, create that pattern? Some loan officers are crushing it on TikTok, you know, because they have that that great personality and, you know, in different ways. Like you got Arielle Best, this focus on, you know, the, the VA stuff. And she's just like, you know, she, the military community loves her because she's just super abrasive like if some people say something dumb she'll clap back at them it's, it's awesome like it's entertaining it's not you actually enjoy watching her videos it's not dry like mortgage talk you know and the thing too is like she's probably just being true to who she is oh 100 percent. yeah yeah she's not i don't think she's put i don't know her too well but i know she's not putting on a on a facade that's for sure <laughs> yeah i love that man i think that's really cool and so there's so I guess the message here, you know, that you're the point you're trying to make is like, you know, be seen and like make sure people know what you do for work because they can't send any business if they don't know. It's really that simple. Like you can you can add any layer on top of that through technology or marketing stuff. And there's a lot of gimmicks out there. You know, you can blend in whatever you want, but it all really gets still gets back to all that, you know, being present. I remember in 2013 or 14, when I was started pre-approved me way back in the day, we didn't have a budget to go to a conference and like set up a booth because those are like 10 grand, right? Yep. <laughs> oh, so I got a friend, one of our customers gifted me a, an event ticket. Okay. He said like, come join me like in the, this conference. And it was like a big mastermind deal. And so I, I was thinking from a marketing perspective, how do I make the most of this? How do I like let people know about the brand. And so I'm like, I'm going to create t-shirts. So I literally created t-shirts and, and on the three days I wore a different one every day. And the first one said like, make it rain pre-approval letters. And it was a cloud and there were pre-approval letters coming out from the sky, you know, and then pre-approve me the logo. And they're like, what does that mean? You know, people are like, what is that's awesome. You're making a rain pre-approval letters. They're like, yeah. And so then, and then one, one of them said, take the hundred dollar challenge. And it was like, I challenged people to $100. And they said, people would ask me, I asked probably 20 times, what's the $100 challenge? I'd pull a $100 bill out and I'd say, send a pre-approval letter faster than I can. And they're like, what? And I said, I'll give you a minute, get whatever technology you need out, send a letter for $256,000 faster than I can. And they pull their laptop out and I go, done. <laughs> you lose. <laughs> And, and it was like, it, man, it worked. It worked so well. But like that was, I was a walking billboard for myself. You That's know? awesome. Yeah. So I love that tip. I, 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 I admire you for building that platform as early as you did because like there wasn't such a thing as really such a thing as a point of sale system in 2013. <laughs> like yeah. a lot of these companies did not exist. You know, there's no such thing as Blatter's Cloud Virga. Flowify, none of these companies were around back then. Yeah. It was uh, you know, stupid kids doing doing things. Well, really it was just like you. I was it was so painful for me, right? I, I like I was tired of taking those calls on the weekends and evenings. Yeah, and you have that techno you have that technology mind too, and you're like, there's got you know, we, we know that there's an easier way to do this. <laughs> you know, it was really Tim Ferris. Have you read four hour work week? You know, I haven't yet, and I really need to. I'm not a voracious reader, and I and I really need to be. Um, 
but uh, I've heard of it many times, and I see your Tools of Titans behind you too. That I hear is another great one. I've never read it. I don't actually. <laughs> I don't. It's funny that it's there. I love the book, but I listen to everything. I can't read a book. Oh, uh, see, I'm the opposite. I have to read. I've got the ADD thing too, but like my problem with with Audible, my wine, my mind just wanders on other things, and I'm like, wait, I'm am I listening to a book right now? Um, and then completely know what not know what I'm, you know. So I, yeah, I, I have to read it, and I just don't sit down and open the book. But it can be on a on my phone or on Kindle or whatever. It doesn't have to be like. I'm not one of those people that has to be paper, but I definitely can't listen to books, unfortunately. <laughs> I only re- reason I get any reading done is because I, I'm able to like do dishes while I listen or drive it. Oh, uh, see, like me, if I'm doing the dishes, I would pay attention to doing dishes and I wouldn't be listening <laughs> to audio. I, I have such a space cadet when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, we all got our learning styles. <laughs> so, man, so moving forward into like this market, I mean, you're running multiple companies now. So I'm curious to know how you stay focused on where your time goes. And are you building yourself lists of activities? Do you have objectives? What kind of planning are you doing? Love to talk to you about that a little bit. That is still a struggle for me. So, you know, I, I you know, obviously in, in this, in this environment that, that we find ourselves in, you know, obviously I had to cut back pretty significantly on, you know, with layoffs and, and things like that, unfortunately. Luckily, I didn't have to do it for any of the, really any on the mortgage side of thing, you know, the ops side of thing. Uh, we were always pretty well staffed on there. But on the more on the admin side of the business, I had help with and I had to kind of really cut back on that and take more responsibilities of just, you know, making bank deposits and, and things like that myself. So that this year, was kind of reinventing the process. You know, we hired our first uh, virtual assistant a few months ago out of, out of the Philippines. So she's doing all of that stuff that I really should not be doing. You know, spending time at all on. So I kind of look, I kind of look at twenty twenty four as that year where I really start to become more disciplined. And you know, I moved last winter also, so I had all the distractions with that. So this year was a little bit of a lost year for me. Other than you know, obviously focused on building my software and, and maintaining my brokerage. So yeah, uh, you know, we were talking earlier pre-call about KPIs and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff that those are the kind of things that I'm really looking forward to, you know, really systemizing all of that stuff. I think we would have used a lot of chat GPT, honestly, oh, yeah. <laughs> for things like, for things like that. I mean, why not? <laughs> you know, you you call say, a waiting well, list is for, so we're for, for the API. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I have it. I have it. I have it just through my for myself through uh, ChatGPT Plus. I paid the twenty dollars a month, so I've had I've had four for that for a while. But I, yeah, I know with the, with the API, they've been holding that back for a while. We're in the Microsoft stack for Epic OS, and uh, we're in yeah, Microsoft for startups. Really yeah, we're in the Microsoft for startups program, so we get a lot of access to things. You know, it's honestly kind of overwhelming, but I'm really excited about what we're building because. Microsoft is nobody's better than Microsoft at building enterprise type software, even if it's for, you know, small companies like mortgage brokerages and stuff like that. I, I feel like Microsoft has done such a great job for at least for the kind of software that I'm building. Yeah, we're on the Microsoft stack, same basically the same stack as you. Only difference is we use AWS for our servers, but everything is Oh, okay. Yeah, because Azure wasn't really relevant until 
like the last few years. Yeah, yeah. AWS is definitely that. But we we talk about it. We talk about moving stack. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, and it's not fun now, I'm sure. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. So you you mentioned hiring a VA, right? So like there was a mm-hmm. point in time when you were like, I, I just can't do these things. I don't want to be doing these things. What was the process for identifying when the right time for you hiring a VA was and what sorts of activities are you giving them? Because my one thing that, you know, like I'm actually just getting my own personal system for the first time in a long time. And, and my co-founder, Matthew's always saying to me, Mike, if you don't have an assistant, you're the assistant. And like, he's not wrong. You know, if I'm doing a bunch of $20 an hour work or in your case, what, $7 an hour work or whatever it is. She's, she's, yeah, she's $1,300 a month. Yeah. Full time, full time. And she's probably living her best life. That is from my understanding, more than twice the average salary in the Philippines. Yep. Nice. Uh, and we did it through, we hired, so there's a lot of different ways to hire them. What a lot of people do is go to those VA companies where, you know, they chart, you know, it says like it's 10, 10, $12 an hour or whatever it is, but they give, they keep five or $6 an hour and then the, and then the worker gets the rest. So we went through a company called Support Shepherd that is more of a traditional headhunter. Um, and it's more of an upfront cost. I think it's 35% of what your the first year salary is. So, you know, we spent, I think it was like three grand, 3,500 or something like that. But all that money goes direct to her. We use global payroll through Rippling and she just gets an ECH or whatever that method is uh, payment once a month. And it all goes to her. And I feel really good about that. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's much better, you know, uh, a way of handling it. So what, but what is she doing? Like what, what's so the- she, she is basically a, like a liaison to the bookkeeper. So she handles, she makes all the deposits for our closings. She makes sure that the LOS is buttoned up post-close type work, all of that. Uh, and then obviously works with the bookkeepers to finalize our books every month. And uh, she does those kind of back office tasks. I would just say she's like an assistant. I don't I don't have that yet either and, and need to get on now. Maybe another one of my 2024 goals yeah. as well, sim- similar to you. But uh, yeah, she, she basically took a lot of back office administration stuff off of my plate because, you know, despite my technology, it's you know, really making payroll more efficient and all that. There's still all that other stuff uh, involved to to make sure that we're have accurate data and quickly making those deposits, all all of that. So, and then her role will expand from there. We're pretty new with it. Just she just started, I think, in early November. I want to say so, just under two months. So she's just establishing kind of her cadence and what she's doing. In the, in, the, exactly. in the platform, yeah. Now, one thing- she's great. Like she's high. She's highly talented. She's you know highly educated. All, all it's it's just like having an employee here in the states. Just you know, a fraction of costs, and I feel like she has less drama too. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, win win there for sure. So that you exactly. said that was VA uh, shepherds or. Support Shepherd. Uh, um, support Shepherd. Yeah. So I, I think it's, uh, I want to say it's supportshepherd.com. Let me make sure so everybody knows that. Yep. Support Shepherd. So that's support, S 
H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com. Nice. That's cool. And they have a, I think they have a, they have a 90 day guarantee. So if it doesn't work out, they'll replace for any reason, they'll replace the candidate for you for free. So that 30% fee basically gets you the right person, whether it's the first person or not. Yeah. So they gave us about five or six candidates and we interviewed all of them and narrowed it, narrowed it down to the one. So operated, I used a company called Manpower stateside to hire people, which I think is like the number one or top five recruiting firm in the country. And same kind of, the process felt very similar. And when it comes to working with them, are you using like Slack? How are you communicating with? So we use a combination of Slack and we have a platform called Workplace by Facebook. So we basically have a Facebook built basically kind of like a company internet platform that is like the Facebook experience, but it's not connected to your personal Facebook whatsoever. Like it's it's connected through your your company email and all of that. So I, you know, I know that like my LOs and stuff are, are already, you know, all on Facebook all the time and all that for the most part. So why don't I deploy something that has a similar experience uh, as, uh, as different groups based on the, the, you know, the objectives, all that. And then obviously they have a separate app. It's called like work chat. So it's essentially Slack. I wouldn't say it's as robust as Slack is, but we do use Slack for like external community, like our bookkeepers are in Slack. So we have, you know, really seamless communication through, through that. I hate email with a burning passion. So any vendor that I use regularly, I insist that we use Slack typically because I think email is incredibly inefficient and, you know, there's just better ways to, for people to work together. Just, you know, it's a culture thing too. So like, just, you know, like with my bookkeepers, we're, we're, I had, I think I have like an unhealthy relationship with my bookkeepers. Like we, like they're, they're not just people like we talk to each other pretty much throughout the month and like sending gifts back and forth and emojis and stuff like that. So like, you know, I look at them as an extension of my team um, and it results in a great, you know, they provide a great service for me. So Marlowe is my, are my bookkeepers for those of you who are curious if you want, <laughs> if you want to talk to that. So it sounds to me like, I mean, what you've done here is you've built, you're building multiple companies and you were handling like the core of the businesses internally, right? You're handling like the management of your loan officers and you're building a software to help manage the the payroll and the compensation structures and all that stuff. But you're also not afraid to go find talent and expertise in the field that we're like a bookkeeper company. That's all they do. They're going to be better than you even bringing in a bookkeeper internally because that's like they're yeah and they and they've taught because like my software is going to kind of make a bookkeeper's job a lot easier so like i needed a company that would help me learn about all this stuff too because i'm not an accountant i don't know much about that i didn't i was you know i was even originally planning on building my own double entry accounting system into epic os and i still may way down the road but like it wasn't until they taught me how to highly leverage QuickBooks that I'm like, oh, I'm just better off integrating a platform QuickBooks and just connect the dots between, you know, uh, the LOS and, and QuickBooks. So I'm kind of in between 
to make sure all of that. So like posting the, the journal entries or, or sales receipts into it. And then when that check hits QuickBooks, boom, it already knows what transactions for. You just hit match. You don't have to manually break out that transaction. So whether you hire a bookkeeper or not, it will make that whole, all those manual uh, processes of accounting so much easier. And I basically pay them to to teach me a lot of this stuff. So they're incredibly valuable to me. Plus I used other bookkeepers in the past and I was never able to really know my numbers. Like they just did the bare minimum of, you know, it's basically like dr- I'm driving the bus with those companies. With a Marlowe, they're driving the bus and holding me accountable and all these things. And they understand our business specifically too. So it's it's been such a great partnership. And they've been invaluable to helping me build Epic OS as well. And worked specifically went on a call yesterday to because we're working on our QuickBooks integration right now in Epic OS. And I wouldn't have been able to do it properly without them. That's awesome. I mean, that's that's a, that's great advice. Bring people in who know that side of it. That's why coaches are so valuable, right? I mean, if if you're struggling to find ways to sell yourself or close deals or market your business or whatever, then like that's what coaches are good for. And in your case, bookkeepers are every bit as valuable because that's the finances are literally the lifeblood of your business. And so if you don't know what's happening, what your cash flow looks like in the software side, there's all sorts of numbers and things that like I had to learn, you know, uh, MRR and your, you know, all these figures are crazy. But on the mortgage side, it's pretty simple too. Like what's your pipeline look like? What's your forecasting? How are you going to be you know, what? what is your active loans? What's your closed loans? How much commissions are going out? You can do it on a spreadsheet, but man, Evan, I think what you're doing with Epic OS is going to make things a lot easier for mortgage companies, big and small in the future, big. But for now, brokerages, you know, get it off your plate, let the software run, let it do its thing, and you guys will sleep better at night. So yeah, I don't think most people start mortgage brokerages to either do all of that kind of stuff themselves or even you know as you continue to scale like you then have to hire an entire finance department yep and then you're spent you know so you're spent just to do your accounting and finance you probably have you know four hundred thousand dollars a year in salaries whereas you could spend you know 10 grand a year on software or something like that and maybe have two people or whatever you know as margins continue to compress it's not like companies want to do this but like we're not really gonna have a choice you know the it's it's just we're not gonna make as much money as we've historically made so you got to start finding ways to to be more efficient and really the only way to do that is through technology whether we like it or not and it's there and so like ignoring ignoring it doesn't change its impact on your business as a matter of fact it it impacts your business more if you ignore it because if your competition can, on the same margins, do more loans with lower fixed costs, then they can't afford to market their business more, invest in other areas to grow their business. And you're stuck. That's how Rocket became the monster that they are. Yep. Yep, exactly. And it's only going to get worse. I mean, the way I like to look at this from Rocket's perspective is there's a battle in the United States for the for the consumer awareness and for like their, and it's like a draft. Okay. So rocket is drafting. They got first, second, third round draft picks, and they're just pulling people off the bench into their team 
And once they're on their team, they're in a lifelong contract because they're spending millions of dollars to- Yeah, I mean, you- that you put a hundred people in a room and ask them what you know. What's the first mortgage company you think of? How many of those people do you think are going to say Rocket? Most, almost all of them. Yeah, and so other than maybe some back, you know, maybe Wells Fargo or something, you know, or but like, and, and, I, yeah. and I talk to loan officers about that, and they go, "Well, yeah, but I mean, I work with the realtor. The realtor is going to say, don't go with them. Trust this person.' Well, oftentimes, like they're changing the way that the the, the consumer flows in the process, because- and also. Rocket has historically not been very good at loans. They were a marketing company that happened to do mortgages. They're starting to get good at loans. And I, I knew that would eventually happen. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of that has to do with mortgages that are just getting easier to do, too, if you actually leverage technology. Because you got day one certainty out there. You can plug you know, account check and, and the work number and all that into your AUS findings. And you're collecting like you know three or four documents on a loan now. Whereas you used to have to, you know, well, we don't have to explain all that. Everybody knows how to do a loan, <laughs> but, yeah. but it's, it's not, it's, you know, you got, now they're, you can connect 12 months of bank statements in the AUS and they're testing that where, you know, for the gig workers and stuff like that to, to, to average out income over to like they're it, so you don't, mortgages are going to be damn near dockless in a few years. So it is going to be a marketing and branding play. I think in the future, because technology is just going to make the business so much easier because now we've got the agencies cooperating and testing new things and, and all of that. And, and they appear to be innovative to me. I follow the agencies and, and their, their APIs that they're building and, and all of that, you know, used to be, you had to manually look all this stuff up or run AUS or whatever. You could literally in your LOS, you can like Freddie Mac has the, the API where you can know right away what the income limit is on that property, you know, for home possible. So you don't have to run AUS to do that or go to the income lookup tool. It's right there in your LOS because they have the API there. Like they're just all working on this stuff at yep. almost lightning speed. So yeah. 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 Mortgage is going to be a very different place in 10 years. You know, that doesn't mean that as that doesn't mean the relationships don't matter. They obviously will still hundred percent, hundred percent. And so like your advice early on to like be, be in the market, let people know you're doing business, that is going to stay true. But the trick is once they're in your ecosystem, how do you keep the consumer there and captive to you when they're going to be shopping for homes on Zillow, on realtor.com and those, those systems are lead aggregators, right? And they're selling my loans to, to Evan's loan officers, right? Or to, or to Quicken or, or to Rocket or whatever. Yeah, so that's the that's the trick, man. Got to keep them captive. That's where uh, the future is. If you can build, if you can build like a a, a database of, you know, three to five hundred past clients, and they're in your ecosystem, and you give them really easy, good ways to refer you, then it's then you're good. You're set for life. You know exactly. Yeah, yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna come back to you themselves for you know whether they move, they need to refinance, they need to heal up, whatever whatever that may be. Yeah. And then I think a lot of law officers are starting to see it a little bit too, you know, diving into different verticals. It's not necessarily something I recommend, but, you know, you got some law officers that are, you know, becoming an insurance agent too and, and, and doing both, or they spin up, you know, for broker shops, spinning up, you know, agencies on the side to basically feed that, you know, get that recurring revenue. So, you know, I, I do think that 
I feel like somebody is going to pull, start pulling off or the way the future is going to be is you're going to be kind of that one-stop shop where, you know, whether it is a joint venture or somebody does all three where it's, you know, mortgage, real estate, and the, um, you know, um, insurance side of things. Um, that's where it's going to be. It's either that or like people are just going to go to all these tech companies like, like the rocket of the world, you know, but the local, the local people are going to have to kind of compete on that level as well. That's still ta- a tangible advantage, like being in the community, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But millennials are more comfortable online, man. I mean, like you, you don't see any of your clients, you know, most loan officers don't see their clients in person today. That's the shift for, in the last just seven, eight years, seven or eight years, that shift has happened. And so in 10 years, your 20 year old today are going to be in their mid thirties. They're going to be the primary home buyers in the space yep. at that time. And they, they never meet anybody. Exactly. And so we're, and we're very military focused ourselves as far, you know, about half of our business is VA. So, you know, we got you know, a lot of our law officers are licensed, you know, six, eight states and, you know, because they, they identify like, you know, these two bases typically PCS between each other, or they have, you know, referral sources in those areas, that kind of thing. And they're not necessarily local, but they're, you know, still providing that, you know, you don't need to be local if you're really, really, really good at the loan. And we, we like to say that we can compete about just about anybody on that product in terms of knowledge and service. Yeah. Nice. Evan, man, it's been great talking to you. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, or if you are a loan officer or brokerage and wants to look into Epic OS, how can they, they do that? Yeah. So epicos.com is, is a good one to, to, to go to. So that's E-P-O-C-H. OS.com. Uh, so that's where you can just book a down group demo. I don't have much on that website right now because I'm not, I'm not pushing the software super strong right now. Uh, we do have, you know, a bunch of, uh, of paying clients, but I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, pounding the pavement by any means. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I'm pretty active on Facebook as well. That's generally how most people, uh, get in touch with me. It's just you know, shoot me a message, send me a friend request, follow me, whatever. Nice. Evan, thanks so much for your time, man. It's been great chatting with you.